we're talking about how hard food is generally to eat and deal with (laughs) (laughs) as humans but also as humans who have limits to the diet like to their dietary things yeah like i can't eat onions and garlic which is all of the good flavored stuff and how in tech they're like or cheese they're like here's a pizza i'm like i wanted to eat that pizza you know yeah but then they'll be like cool we got a gluten-free vegan one you're like this vegan slime is not what (laughs) i I want want ever (laughs) (laughs) it's like just don't give me any just make it a flatbread forget about the pizza i know can you just give me bread (laughs) um wait robbie if i (laughs) if i eat right now can you just like cut me out (laughs) while you guys talk well, but then, like, you would just not... I mean, yeah, as long as you don't say anything. Okay. Um, or you can just, like, stop making eating sounds. Clink, clang, clonk. Welcome. <laughs> Hold on. Pause. What? No, we have to have our banter. No, I was just going to, like, jump right in and be like, welcome back to part two. No. No? No, how was everybody's break? I, I say it was my good. mouthful. I uh, put some stuff in the refrigerator and put some stuff in the microwave and then put it in my face. Love that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, so I have... (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. No, it's not weird. It's just like, you know, my wife and I have this weird obsession with food from Ikea. (laughs) And I'm I'm not talking about, like, meatballs. I'm talking about, like, they sell this, like smoked creamed salmon row in a tube and these like crackers and so i just ate a bunch of that and Yum. it just tastes like salty fish <laughs> wow that's a surprise who would have thought no, it's just so good it's so good honestly i had a sandwich today that was just cream cheese and smoked salmon okay can we talk about cream cheese for a hot sec it's a gift it, it is but like okay so seattle i feel like seattle is one of those like me too cities like i'm also a city (laughs) and like you know how like if i said to you um you know uh, i have a sandwich or like a hot dog whatever and it's philly style you're like all right so there's some hot peppers on it there's some cheese whatever right like whatever like all these different things or like um Cleveland or was it Cincinnati or whatever it's like okay yeah there's like like they're chili on it right but when like when if I said to you what do you think a Seattle style hot dog is what would you say don't tell me it has cream cheese on it it has cream cheese (gasps) and and onions okay well you're already going down the cream cheese hole why not add some onions for some crunch and I've heard it's good whatever but like it just feels like such a like like, I just want to be like, shut up, Seattle. Well, okay, you like, have homework. You have to go try one. Yeah, I know. But I've also, I mean, I have this feeling it's not the kind of thing that you eat when the sun is up. Because, <laughs> like, Seattle's so weird. Like, they have random hot dog vendors that just pop up in the middle of the night in places that there just shouldn't be a hot dog vendor, I guess. I don't know. It's just, like, on the sidewalk. There's just all of a sudden, like... You know, just somebody selling us a hot dog. And this is not New York, you know? So this is, like, outside of a WeWork <laughs> or whatever. Like, but I'll try it. Okay, I finished eating dinner. Um, And look what I have. A <gasps> Topo Pico. 
Topo Pico. That was what a highlight, y'all. Topo Chico is. Are we sponsored yet here, mm. y'all? Because Topo Chico. Well, I wish. If if we get if Topo Pico sponsors us, then we'll say it right. How about that? Oh it. wow! Okay, <laughs> we should do that with all brands. Well, maybe you know, because like how we had that one episode that we recorded or right, was it the first episode where we're like shmamazon yeah. and shmacebook and shmoogle we'll say your brand name right if you pay yeah us. if you pay us there you go mate let's um, make that money so let's get that bag that we can afford our personal health insurance <laughs> jesus <laughs> welcome <laughs> Welcome to the first uh, podcast that was started so that we could afford health insurance as tech employees in America. No. Um, uh, the future right. is now. I'm Ramey. That's Robbie. That's Jordan. And this is I Would Never Know, a podcast. Part two of our talking about chronic illnesses. We're going to jump right back into it because we took a 10 minute break. What were we talking about, though? I don't remember. Oh, oh, I know. Okay. Oh, I know. We were talking about <laughs> yeah. working and health insurance. Oh, geez. And how, oh. you know, Robbie told this great story of picking a job for the health insurance. And I say great. And I don't really mean great. Mm -hmm. I mean, the story was great, but I hate that that experience had to happen. You know, that's the part yeah. that's not great. I recently changed jobs, which was very exciting. Yay. But let me just say that that first month was, you know, starting a new job is stressful. We all know this. Ooh. You got to meet a lot of people. You got to like get into the groove. We got to get all of the software. It's great. Whatever. Changing insurance, man. I feel like the amount of stress I felt I spent a few days saying, man, was changing health insurance worth it? Was changing this, was getting this new job worth it? Because this mm. is awful and I'm having to fight denials left and right to get the things I've been on for 13 years. Wow. Um, it's been a time. Um, pro tip, folks, if you can and you're switching a job and let's say you're going from a sh sh green shield to a green shield. I don't know what you want me to try to follow the Blue theme. shield. Just okay. call it what it okay. is. BCBS, Blue Cross Blue Shield. If you can find a company that'll keep you on Blue Cross Blue Shield so all your records don't get lost, do it. They're going to switch you to United Butt Care. <laughs> <sighs> well, I mean, they don't it's do funny because for care. you, for you, it is butt care. Except it's awful. I am lucky that I got my infusion on time. I didn't think I would. Mm. Um, but it was Shit. really the over-the-counter pills that with once we got through the denial and reapproval and the prior authorization it cost me $1,800 <gasps> for three months supply uh, this is what Ooh. I'm saying I'm going through the same well wait similar. let's talk about money I'm going through let's a talk about money wait I want to say though Jordan yeah. would you mind expanding on if you don't get your infusion what happens 
oh, I love this because there's so many reasons why you might not. But the biggest one is prior authorization and someone in an insurance company saying, LOL, you don't really need that. Um, so my infusion schedule is pretty strict. Like I get them every eight weeks, maybe seven, depending on the timing. If I'm late, that means the amount of medication is less in my body. Just like anything, right? You, you start losing it. But the problem is the longer it is, the more likely I am to experience symptoms, which could mean that I'm in the hospital instead. Um, so delays could end up being more costly to insurance companies. And also, you know, I wouldn't feel great. That's also important. Mm-hmm. But when you're coming at it from the, I must tackle the big insurance company, that's really the angle I look at. I go, hey, y'all. The longer you wait, the more costly it is for you. Is <laughs> wait also- a minute. Is this, is, are you, I'm sorry, are you justifying working on technical debt <laughs> or are you justifying your health care? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is why, okay, so I mentioned casually earlier, I do a lot of patient advocacy work, which is a really cool thing I do with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. And so this past time, I got to speak with folks from local officials including Elizabeth Warren's office. And when I spoke to her person, I was like, ooh, let me think about this. She hates big banks. Why don't I say the word big insurance company? And honestly, when I said that, the person, the staff member, her eyes got big, like it connected. And I was like, know your angle. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Wait, but okay. I didn't answer your question, did I? No, I did. Oh, you did, you did. You get very sick. You might end up in the hospital. Um, you answered it from an insurance perspective, but also like, hey, y'all, oh. this is bad. This is ge- yeah, this generally d- bad. This yeah, is like I don't want to ship blood. Like, don't make me ship blood. Don't make me not want to eat. This is important. It hurts. This is our lives. This is like our. This is our lives. But um, YOLO. Um, yeah. Let's not ship blood. Should we talk about money really quickly? Yeah, oh, yeah. I have. I have a hot topic on money. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is a a pro tip for money. Um, this shit's expensive. And yeah, the uh, shit that I have is, I just want to say the thing that, so again, when I, I was going through this with when my partner was going through this and we were going through this together, she was not working. And so, you know, yeah, it's great being in tech and we, you know, do make, a lot of money by being in tech. That's just a fact. But um, no matter what you're doing, nothing prepares you for the amount of money yeah. that these hospitals will just wrench out of you. So payment plans mm-hmm. are everything. And so what we did was we would call up and literally like basically just be like crying on the phone and be like, I can't afford this. I can't pay this lie not lie, but like, just exaggerate. I'll, I'll lose my house, whatever. I can't pay this. And so what the, every hospital will do at a bare minimum is put you on a payment plan. They say, well, what can you pay? Cause all they, they just want to get their money. They've got enough money. They're not, <laughs> they're not at risk of the lights being shut off. So you tell them, look, I can pay a hundred bucks a month and they'll put you on a payment plan. Zero percent interest and yes you will be paying it off for the rest of your fucking life which is hopefully very long but you don't have to pay it all at once so always get on the phone with the billing department and just be like i need a payment plan i can't do this i know like robbie's experience was just hospitals but having worked at a doctor's office that's true for doctor's offices as well um and do do not feel bad for doing it no 
because they are going to get their money. It, it impacts you a lot more than it impacts them. But speaking of costs, because I think I think one of the things that, again, the whole point of this is not just like these are all medical problems are things that they're just a fact of life, as you mentioned in the last part, Jordan. But they shouldn't be a fact of life when you're in your 20s. And I guess just to contextualize it, Jordan, can you share like what is something what is being sick cost? <laughs> well, I mean, how, how do you quantify your new normal? Mm. I, uh, philosophicalized that's not the mm. word uh well i guess context for you i just dropped how much my like maintenance med costs that i get from a cbs or whatever or a bbs i can't do it um BB, BB. My, <laughs> BBS, is that a BBL. A a, i don't know whatever uh if i so i've gotten billed for my infusion sometimes because of insurance problems mm. and one infusion for my medication is ten thousand dollars i get it Um, every eight weeks i used to be every six weeks um so as you can imagine thank god i have health insurance though it doesn't cover all of it but getting that bill really anyone having to deal with the money side of health which is everyone yeah it's like how do you expect us to get better if we have to stress about paying for our health care truly true and the health care honestly like I'm dealing with insurance issues right now as well. And it's like, I have insurance. It's just that they are fighting me every step. Um, and so my pro tip, Aetna, and okay, so Blue, Blue Cross Blue Shield was like, is like supposed to be the best, but that's in Massachusetts, I guess, and not true in other states that's what i was told so i'm like i just i don't know i don't know bro i'm used to i'm used to blue cross blue shield and just getting everything i want um my pro tip here comes my pro tip um if you're going to get sick be wealthy (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yes you cannot be poor and sick that's the rule actually can i just can i expand on that (laughs) yeah So, Jordan, my brain did a couple of numbers. So, you you said every eight weeks you get this treatment. So, six times a year? I guess guess so. Yeah, because every other month, basically, right? It feels more frequent, but I believe you. You see every six weeks if that... that $60,000 a year. For one of my meds, yes. $60,000 for one of your medications. This isn't involving doctor's visits. This isn't involving, like anything else this is literally just for the medication yeah the infusion of the medication it's sixty thousand dollars a year minimum wage average minimum wage in our country you're looking at about 15 grand a year so that means that it is four times what somebody would make if they're working minimum wage just for that one drug so on the one hand i want to say no, on every single hand that I have. Fuck this. Well, I agree with you. And what's funny, and by funny I mean not, is that Big Pharma has what they call these patient assistance programs where they go, oh, we hear our medication's really expensive. We're going to help you pay for it. Here is a credit card preloaded with whatever amount of money based on your income. When reality is they could lower the price. 
but instead they want their tax write-offs so they make these mm-hmm. programs and then it's a pain to get enrolled in the programs to begin with so healthcare, an evil system like and i, I just want to say unrelated to all of this i love that the richest men on earth are building spaceships oh. to go to space in mm-hmm. because like there's this one idiot have you heard of this dumbass his name is mark cuban he's spending all of his time trying to lower the cost of drugs when he should be in a dick measuring contest shooting off into space with bezos and musk and all those other genius billionaires what a guy what a guy what a dummy no uh look i i okay here's something else about the guy okay while we're on the topic of the government (laughs) I want to to share this story. While on the topic of the government and the healthcare system and how painfully fucked it is, this is a story that I almost hate telling because there's an unlikely... Oh, I don't want to use the word hero, but there's an unlikely... I don't want to use the phrase good guy either. There's somebody who is unlikely to be on the right side of any uh, uh, political situation. You mean correct... I can think of many no, people. just you'll you'll well, okay. So let me tell the story. So, so my partner is being told by uh, her doctors there is a drug that will treat your symptoms, and these are not symptoms that are annoying. These are symptoms that are life threatening. Not being able to eat is a life threatening condition. <laughs> like we know this. Um, that drug is called domperidone. It is not approved by the FDA. So a medical professional says to her, oh, don't worry, you can get it, though. You just have to order it from a specialty pharmacy in Canada. So again, the USA, the greatest country in the US, uh, has us ordering life-saving, life-changing medicine from another country, which is expensive as all hell. It's from another country. Yeah. And you know what the other way that people get, you know how most people who can't afford to do that or who don't, aren't able to get the prescriptions, you know how they get this drug? Clinical trials, baby. Nope. Well, yes, clinical trials, but not everyone can just walk into a clinical trial. True. Back in the day, there was a thing called the Silk Road. Oh, yeah. People would go on the dark web and use Bitcoin to buy medicine that they needed. And of course, what does the government do to fix this situation? They shut down the Silk Road. Well, I mean, there's there was other stuff going on. There was but. other stuff going on. I'm, I'm just saying, like, it, it, when we when we think about the amount of resources spent on the war on drugs versus, like, you know, helping people mm-hmm. here, like, uh. But anyway, the reason that I say that there's an unlikely person who's on the right side of things is that Ted Cruz. What? <laughs> Ted Cruz, when he was campaigning to be president which at the time sounded absolutely insane but knowing <laughs> what we know now about what happened it's like sure whatever um sure ted cruz fine whatever um he actually at one of his uh stump speeches i think i forget he brought this up and he started talking about don Peridone. he's like why is this not legal why is the fda not approve this drug granted now that he actually has a platform he's just using it to like 
you know, make sure that every single 18 year old can get their hands on an AR 15, um, you know, and being besties with the guy that publicly made fun of his wife and flying to Mexico while people froze to death. Anyway. Um, but so, yeah, uh, I'm, I see he really dropped that whole, let's, let's actually help sick people act. I have a question. So, um, like, clearly like as i've stated in part one if you haven't listened to part one please go back and listen to that (laughs) (laughs) i love your customer service voice casual plug yeah we love it um why like why can't we get it in the in the u.s like what what is the system that we have where we're ordering it from other countries is there like a very quick way to get into that (laughs) Uh, TLDR, the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, has very, very, probably the, some of the strictest got a set of processes for getting medical devices approved, where medical device includes potentially medication. And there's a reason, right? Like, historically speaking, we could look and see all the ways that clinical trials were not regulated and were not done well. And this is, I mean, history-wise, we're getting back to post-World War II and all of the uh, treatments that were done in uh, concentration camps that, you know, obviously not legal for many reasons. Um, so there are, there's good reason for it, but there is a balance, right? Mm-hmm. Look at how COVID's gone mm-hmm. and the way that they've kind of suspended some of their processes and people freak out about it, but there's also ways to justify it. You know, there, there's like, I'm doing the long version, sorry, but like blockbusters is a phrase you'll hear. Wait, what about blockbusters? Not the movies thing. Yeah, like a blockbuster. (laughs) Like so, if (laughs) so, like if if someone figures out a cure for a disease Mm -hmm. and they have this medication and they're like, it is this is it. A blockbuster drug is this. It'll be like a game changer. It's Mm -hmm. gonna yeah bust the block. I don't actually know like the story. It's gonna be blockbuster. There you go. Big deal. It's a big Big, deal. Big deal. deal. Big deal. It's gonna sell yeah. out in theaters. Exactly. Take that med. Sell out the movie. Mm-hmm. Man, you thought that popcorn was expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till you get your hands on this pill. Okay. So, backing up to the insurance situation, work and works, work whatever, work <laughs> stuff. Like as chronically ill people as people who as caretakers all of that what do what do we need to like look for in a job Ooh, wow goodness, that so, is a good one i mean i will say in my latest job search so i i said in one episode which has not been released yet that i had three initial questions that i like filtered um through like the interview process. So if someone sent me a LinkedIn message, I sent them back, like answer these three questions and then maybe we can talk. But my fourth question that when we got on the phone was, and what insurance do you offer? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, literally. Yes. <laughs> uh, Which you- is uh, an early way of disclosing, because if you're asking that people are like, Hmm, I don't really think people thought about it very much. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess it it depends on how you ask. Honestly, it plays a bigger role, I think, when you're like, because they're like, congrats, here's your offer. And you're like, cool, what's your insurance? Let me look. 
talk to my infusion nurse, plan my start date and my end date so that I can get all these other questions come into play besides just, I got a job that I like. Mm-hmm. And they're like, ma'am, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> get me my McFlurry. Wait, that's McDonald's. Hoops. <laughs> frosty. It's a frosty. Um, it's a frosty. Going back to your question, though, flexibility. Mm-hmm. I want to, when I'm looking mm-hmm. for a job, and this is an advantage we have in the tech space, right? We can, generally speaking, because we work in software-ish, we can have that flexible job. And what I mean by flexible is sometimes I'm, if I'm sick, like I can't predict how I'm going to be in the mornings. Or I can't predict if I'm going to be able to leave my house without, you know, having an accident, shitting my pants. Um, and so getting a sense from people at the job that there is a culture of understanding that people work from home and it's cool is important. Now, you would think during a pandemic where we've been, you know, really getting to know how to work from home that this would be normal. Apparently, we still need to ask for it, especially as people are like, return to office. But we'll get into that later, I guess. Mm-hmm. I I have a... A backdoor way of asking. So, okay. Obviously, you need to talk to your manager or your prospective manager a lot when you're interviewing. One of the things that I think you should be asking your manager. So, it's kind of a backdoor way of asking about how do you handle, you know. Um, so, I think because this is not just about us, this podcast, we're talking to people like mm-hmm. you don't, the whole, obviously, the takeaway here is don't take your health for granted. But also, so like, know that like, yes, you're starting this job, but anytime that you start a job, this is the job that you're, you're going to be at when you meet a partner and get married, have a baby, buy a house, get sick, have a loved one pass and go through all these life things with. And so how do you figure out, is this a company that is going to make space for me and is going to put me first? And so, um... I think one of the things, there's a huge dialogue right now around something that impacts everybody, which is mental health. Mm. And so when interviewing, I would take all the questions that you'd want to ask, because obviously if you say to somebody like, what do you do? Like, have you ever had a, a, a an employee who's had health issues and how have you handled it? I'm not saying don't ask that question. You absolutely can. The difficulty there is that like, the you know, your manager can't, or the perspective manager can't just be like, oh yeah, someone on my team has cancer. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, they can't say that. Um, but if you say to them, like, how do you make space for people to take care of their mental health? It's going to be pretty clear which managers have thought about this, which managers are repeating back the lines that were given to them and which managers just don't care. And so I think it's okay to grill the hell out of them because the managers that are going to make space for you are the ones that will respect that you are not just asking the question and getting an answer, but then pushing and being like, hold on, I don't know you. So I love that you just said that, but I need more information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think pushing on mental health is, is a good way to back into it because, you know, again, it's something that impacts everybody. It's something that there's a huge dialogue around. Um and you're looking for things to be specific. You want a manager who like understands that if you wake up and you are in a place where you just can't go to work that day, that they would rather you take the mm-hmm. day off than be there and be miserable and not get anything done. Because again, this goes back to something I said in part one, which is if your manager is measuring your impact on the company as a tech employee, 
on like a day-to-day basis, they're doing it so wrong. Well, and I also just want to put in there like, and I know this is sort of like some people really disagree with this, but I think in tech, because we have opportunities to have unlimited PTO that has been very helpful to me to be like, it's unlimited. I can take this day. I actually am at a place that is real unlimited PTO and not the fake kind. Um, Because also something that I ran into was you don't have any sick days left. You're not allowed to be sick anymore. Um, And I don't like, what do I do with that? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean? Like, oh no, you can't be sick anymore. Shut up. It's like, if I only have four, like, it makes no sense to me. You can't predict the future. Like, sorry, I can't tell you that I'm going to accidentally roll my ankle. Okay, another quick, just quick note that I want to bring in as a manager's perspective. We need to stop conflating time spent in the office versus whether or not you get your shit done. If you don't get your shit done, your manager needs to say something to you. If you want to take time off, you take the time off. Just because you're taking time off doesn't mean you're getting you're not getting your work done. Just because you're in the office doesn't mean you are getting your work done. Like those two things are completely unrelated. Mm-hmm. Going back to you know backdoor questions in a way that you're getting at Robbie. I have one that's been particularly I would say timely right now. You know I've been asking during my process you know, how has your employer handled COVID? Um, because a lot of COVID policies say a lot about the. Uh, ableism in a company um, about how they care or don't care about chronically ill and at-risk people. Um, Basic things to me, like, I don't know if there's, how they communicate about a potential COVID exposure. Do they require vaccines? How do they handle high periods of spread? I know that this is probably a salty area to get into, but to me is so important as someone who is immunocompromised and wants to feel safe at work because I think safety at work should be a bare minimum. I agree, but I also think it's, an, I do want to say it's not an easy topic. Of course. To answer. And I'm not, and one of the, I guess one of the things that I struggle with is that, well, a couple things I struggle with. Number one, should everybody get vaccinated? No, there are a few a lot less people than those that claim that they have medical reasons to not get vaccinated. Some people are allergic to vaccinations. Yep. Facts. I know some. There are also personal beliefs aside. Oh, I struggle with this one a lot. Um, We live in a country where we have religious freedom. And if somebody's religious beliefs prevent them from getting vaccinated uh, you're making a thing. <laughs> sure. we can get into that can of worms but i think at a at its core those are exceptions when they give policies at a workplace generally those are the the like here yeah. are the majority and you you know there are yep. exceptions fine we accept that this is a thing but like how do they handle the majority i think like it's sort of simple though like i don't think it's actually that complicated i think the first thing is Um, You should like continue to allow people to work from home. It makes no sense that you would require people to go into the office, especially like if we're talking about tech, we're talking about sort of, I don't know, like engineering, 
UX product. Um, and then also, I mean, fo- following the guidelines, the, the general guidelines that have been laid out, you know, okay, but I don't know. those guidelines are no longer helpful because they're being controlled they're by bad. the government and they're awful. Okay. I got Okay. I have to step in though. Yeah. Because this is hard. Yeah. Yes. Allowing people to work from home is definitely something that I think I, okay. On the one hand, these studies that came out like from Microsoft saying that like, Oh, it's, you know, people are less productive. Like stop. That's first off. We've only been in this work from home experiment for a very short period of time. And we've only been doing it, you know, while under duress because of a global pandemic. So, yes, it's going to take a while. People are not less productive because they're working from home. They're less productive because we're in the middle of a global pandemic and there's a war going on and there's a supply shortage of like, I think I saw an article the other day that was like hot sauce and tampons are like yep. in you know supply shortages and those are two things that are very important um and like and there's a war i mentioned that and we're like basically more or less in a recession so yes people are less productive and it, we're still figuring out how to work from home however it's ve- like it's very hard to deny that there are aspects of being in person where that a remote not a remote sorry a hybrid policy would be beneficial for that again every company is different every workplace is different but there are certain conversations and certain activities that are just better in person and they and and they're better served by being in person so are they impossible to do remote no but I mean, look, Jordan, you're 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 a user experience person. You know that getting time to huddle around a whiteboard is is really invaluable. And so there's the question there of how do we handle that in a world where yes, that is great and useful, but is that that's it doesn't feel inclusive. Yeah. So I guess two things. One, there are conversations that are probably meant to be had in person that should be had in person totally. But I don't want someone forcing me to work from home when I don't feel, or excuse me, forcing me to go in when I don't feel safe. I think that's where I really have an issue. No one's saying we must keep working from home. Have an option. I don't care. But don't force me. You know, if I don't feel safe, I don't feel safe. Um, But the second thing is, I think one of the cool things that's come out of the pandemic is there have been so many improvements on some of the tools that we have that we use in our fields, right? Figma came out with FigJam. And which always makes me laugh as a name, but the way that it enables collaboration, and I know it seems silly, like, oh, it's just sticky notes, but it, you know, it has changed the way that like design teams work together. Um, And there are so many other examples of that where suddenly these tools became much more important. And sure, it's not as like quick as a huddle, right? You can't just be like, hey, let's go ground, grab a desk over here and there's a whiteboard. But it allows us to have conversations quickly. It allows us to get them documented better than a whiteboard. Let's be real. People don't document things written on whiteboards well. Um, But, I mean, talking about things like, I don't know, mental health challenges, health challenges, salary changes, performance reviews. Those things are hard on on remote worlds. Mm -hmm. 
starting a new job remotely hard yeah i mean i do want to just backtrack i feel like also you know you were talking about like feeling safe and i just want to clarify that like my understanding you're immunocompromised you are actually just not safe yeah so yeah, i, I want to like clarify that you know like feeling is one thing but like the, the reality this is the reality of the situation if that's okay for me to say yeah i think that's yeah. fair and i think there's a level of like okay having a chronic illness is isolating we can all agree on that regardless of the state of the world having a chronic illness that makes you immunocompromised during a global pandemic which is already hard for everyone is even it adds an extra layer of can i go grocery shopping you know the first year i didn't go by myself i didn't go at all other people went shopping for me because we didn't have information um and so yeah when i say safe here i mean physically like it, it's hard to get people to understand it because it's like i would go to the i guess going back to the grocery store i would go during immunocompromised slash at risk hours and almost every time i would do that they would you know be like oh we open at you know in 20 minutes or whatever and i'd say well i'm immunocompromised i thought this was immunocompromised hours and they'd get flustered because i'm young i look relatively yeah. healthy and people will assume that i'm chilling or when i go get my vaccines because i'm at risk i am now eligible for my fifth a friend of mine went to get hers this weekend and cbs straight up said you can't get that yet so she had to pull up the cdc guidelines and show it to the person at cbs and so i guess it's a, it's systemic challenges right like we don't put our vulnerable populations forefront of our minds we at the beginning of the pandemic we were doing great it was very much we care for our neighbors but then people got tired you know people the pandemic's over right um and so that extends to work too unfortunately uh there's an understanding that we're going back to office and having parties and like sorry but i can't it's it's interesting to me because i feel like a lot of this discourse we're just we're struggling with i think a lot of management organizations are struggling with wrapping their heads around how to not be ableist and the reason i say it is like there's this idea of you wouldn't force somebody who had mobility issues to lift heavy things at work now it's one thing if the job description says they have to lift heavy things because that's their job and I think where we're struggling as a society right now, or as a technology industry, as a society where we're struggling is this idea of what is actually in the job description that is necessary. Because if the job description says we want people in the office and you are unable to be in the office because of a health issue, does that mean that you're not qualified for the job? And it absolutely does not mean that. In my opinion, it does not make sense. If you are as a, as a software engineer, as a user experience designer or researcher, if you're qualified to do the job and being in person makes it better in some respects, cross-functional collaboration, etc. But ultimately you can do the job remote. That's where the world is going. Sorry, Musk. 
Just that one guy. And, Sorry to that one guy. Well, no, because the thing about Elon Musk that pisses me off the most, well, <laughs> one of the things that pisses me off the most is, and I think he, well, I'll put it this way, actually. I'm appreciative of the fact that he's actually coming out and saying it. Mm-hmm. He came out and said, well, if you're a good employee, you can work from home. If you bring a lot of value, you can work from home. But if you're not as valuable to me, I want you in the office, which just goes to show that you're trying to quantitatively assess who's good and who's bad. And my question, which is the same question I have for for um, the CEO of Netflix, because he has that keeper test. And my question is every, you know, every year it's like, would you keep this person? Well, who's assessing whether or not we're going to keep you? Reed Hoffman. <laughs> um, my question is, who's going to assess Elon whether or not you are good enough at working from home to work from home, or do you need to be in the office? Because he, like, I think he announced this. He came into a Zoom call to announce this, and he was like ten minutes late <laughs> to his Zoom call. Okay, well, yes. First of all, yes. I mean, that's a bigger issue about. CEOs and some other nonsense um, as well. But I also think generally, if we're just talking about chronically ill people for a minute, we're just like also just more productive from home when we're sick because it takes, it might like personally for me, it takes all my energy sometimes to get to the office. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God. I can't, I don't really know what's going on around me anymore. I don't know what I'm looking at because all my energy went into getting to the office. So mm-hmm. also, that. and I can't like curl up with a heating pad. Yeah. Well, in an off in my office chair at my office. I mean, I can't, but people are going to be like, um, you're sitting upside down. I, how are you typing? And the answer is don't ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, so... Wait, so let's take a second, actually. We just went in a deep, I think, pretty tense road because pandemic's hard. Let's just do a check-in. How are we feeling? Like, today? In this, in in this moment right now in our conversation. How are we feeling? Oh, in the conversation. Because all feelings are valid. I'm feeling stressed. Okay. Because these are the things that... I mean, look, I'm building an engineering org at a company from the ground up at a very young company with the help of other leaders in the company, all of whom have great experience and have, you know, everybody has differing but valid thoughts and opinions. And we're trying to do something new and we're trying to do something inclusive and it's stressful because everything is so uncertain. And I think Wanting to, you know, it's one thing when going back in the conversation, one employee comes up to you and says, hey, I have some doctor's appointments because something's going on. And it's almost, I hate to say, it's almost easy because the answer is like, okay, go take care of that. But then there's the question of, okay. And and I think this is where chronic, like to get to the crux of something that we've we've danced around a lot and mentioned here is that. Early on in a chronic illness, you're you're not working. Everything is turned upside down. You're going, for, you know, you might be hospitalized. You might be in really bad shape. You might be going from doctor appointment to doctor appointment. And let me rephrase that: you really should not. <laughs> you should take some time off work, because um, if you're working like you know, 
a couple hours a week in between doctor's appointments, you're probably not like that's energy that you need for other things in the, you know, but then the thing, the whole point of a chronic illness is you don't just get better. And so figuring out that new normal becomes really stressful. And the fact that now everybody is impacted by this pandemic and and it, it magnifies everything. It makes it even harder as a manager to figure out how do we make it so that everybody can be included and we can be productive. I have a couple of things. One. Sorry. No, like no, it's, I asked, an no it's great. I asked for your feelings and I appreciate you sharing them and also asking questions and listening because that's how we make progress. Um, you just said something that I, you know, made me, reminded me, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, when everything kind of started, I was talking to my therapist and I was, and Laura's like, how you doing? And I was like, honestly, I've been training for this. You know, I, I'm so used to staying home when I'm not well, like the disabled community is like, welcome friends. We're so here. We welcome you to understand. And so I feel like this is such an opportunity to listen to the chronically ill community, to listen to the disabled community, to bring the voices up and and hear all of the things that we've learned along our ways. And we're still learning, but we have lived experiences that can help answer these questions. And um, I think with the move, the move towards digital world and the work from homeland has really only helped some of those voices get heard. So all that to say, the fact that you are struggling with that tells me that you're asking good, hard questions. I, I appreciate that in, encouragement and I'm smiling right now because like, oh my God, when this all started and everyone's like the novelty of having to wear a mask I was like, wait, you've never had to wear a mask because like you've never been around. Like for me, it's like I've my partner, I, we've worn masks on flights before prior to the pandemic. We've worn masks in the hospital because you, you know, if you have an immuno, if you're an immunocompromised state, you don't want to be surrounded by sick people without some sort of protection and so everyone's like oh i can't wear a mask it's like yes you can wear a mask and you will and maybe you'll even stop complaining about it i don't know that's so, a yeah, big ass Robbie. i wouldn't that's, go that I know. far <sighs> and i get it i'm struggling with like the fact that i still have to wear a mask just to like do anything because it's 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 arduous but it's important Anyway, the way I see it, I would rather wear a mask than add another chronic illness to my list. <laughs> you know, if Ooh. I can avoid having another one, just because I think they're estimating at this point about a third of folks are having long COVID experience, ex- um, symptoms. But obviously, that's this is early numbers and early data. So who knows? But again, we say, welcome. We'll help you. We'll show you around. Sorry you're here, but eventually all of us end up disabled in some way or capacity, whether temporarily or full-time. And I know that I've started mixing, not mixing, but we were talking about chronic illness and I've started using the word disabled because I think about those two communities pretty linked for myself. I know that that's not true for everyone. But I I would like to say that, hello, welcome. We are here. So just to recap, you were more laid back going into the pandemic than other people because your experience with a chronic illness you felt like training so what you're saying is that your chronic illness became a chronic chillness oh that is the best i love it wow somebody else does not love it look at that face (laughs) the podcasters must know 
that Raimi was like, oh, Robbie, that joke. Yeah. Raimi's, Raimi's already sick of my humor, and that's why it works. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Yeah, sorry, y'all. It hit 10, and I was like, is it not bedtime? Oh, no. Um, no, but... Grandma. But it's How are fine. you feeling, Raimi? How am I feeling? I mean, besides wildly tired, very, very suddenly, um, how am I feeling? I don't know. I think actually, like... Jordan said a while ago, let's all go to the office and have parties. <laughs> and yeah, that's very annoying and rude during COVID. Um, but also, I don't want to go do um, required fun when I'm not feeling <laughs> well. <laughs> um and I don't know. It's something that's sort of come up for me a few times where it's like, we're in this meeting and now we're doing required fun. And I'm like, can I just do my work and not do this right now? Um, but it's part of the job. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that question mark there. That's so interesting. And I've, I've struggled with this because like, you know, part of your job as a manager is to get your team gelling. Right. Mm -hmm. And how do managers do that? They have happy hours and like forced fun. And look, if, if, if the team is like, Hey, let's all like just chill and hang out for an hour. Cool. Personally, like, I refuse to schedule anything, regardless of the context, outside of work hours. So, if we're doing, like, an hour to just hang out and chat, that's going to be, like, from 3 to 4 p.m. on a Friday. And then everybody's logging off because everyone logs off at 4 p.m. on a Friday anyway. But, like, even for me, I'm like, okay, first of all, I'm already struggling getting my work done because I am not feeling well. And then I'm taking this hour to sort of stare blankly because yeah. I don't know what's going on. Like, I am not participating in the conversation. I don't know. I, I... My friend's company does something interesting where they have, I don't know if it's weekly or not, but there's like unplug hour. And the idea is that you take your break. You, you take, everyone takes a break at the same time. And then you, you maybe are encouraged, I think, to share what you've done on your break. So if you've gone on a walk and you took a picture of a flower, right? And I think in a way that also is a really nice team bonding, right? There's something to be said mm -hmm. about going back to mental health and making space and intentionality, you know, having these sort of team bonding, we're taking, we're unplugging together. Like I, I know you just said you want to get work done, but there is that self-care aspect to it that I think is really powerful. Um, and I also like, Going, I mean, this is slightly unrelated to force fun, but we were talking, we were talking about disclosing, right? And how mm -hmm. much do you share and all that stuff? I took a mental health day today and I wrote in my team channel that I was taking a mental health day today because I want people to see that. And I want it to be something where people feel empowered to do that too. And I think it's uh, modeling behavior, I think it's called, right? And yep. so I use like Slack statuses when I go on a walk so that people know that it's mm -hmm. happening or like heads down time, whatever. But it feels like we have these tech tools and these ways to communicate that we can start to encourage some of these good habits and also like maybe share fun that isn't like make me sit and play Pictionary, 
you know? Modeling behavior is everything. And this is something that I am all about. And I have like, I, as a manager will take a mental health day, like at least once every two to three months. And I will say, I'm taking a mental health day and I'll tell everyone I'm taking a mental health day and I will be very out there about it because we all need to model that behavior and we all need to do that. That's so very important. It's, and yeah, like if we wanted my, what I was trying to say before is like, if we, if the team wants to do fun things, great, let's do fun things. If the team just wants to like, not then like, not just don't do like it's fine it's fine like i think there's nothing wrong with work being for work mm-hmm. i i don't love like whenever people are like what'd you do this weekend i'm like i have to be like i don't know if i really want to be honest and it's not like just because like they don't need to know that i was robbing a bank um oops <laughs> No, but it's it's literally just like maybe I just want my weekend to be my weekend and not be, you know, like because I think drawing boundaries is important. Yeah. And um, as someone who is like who early in my career, I kind of struggled with that because I was in that whole like hustle, hustle, work 24 seven. Your only friends are your coworkers. That sucked. So, like, I think it's good to have a professional relationship with your coworkers, but I also think it's okay, like, Ramey, to... I don't think there's anything wrong with being, like, I don't want to come to this thing, and it's not... And you should not judge me. Like, I do good work. I just don't want to hang out and, like, sit on a... Also, can we just talk about Zoom happy hours? The most awkward fucking things ever. I think it can work if it's no more than, like, five people. Uh... I think it can work if it's no more than two people. Okay, uh, three. 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 Fine. But, okay, I just want to say, though, also that this is specifically, like, I'm talking about when I'm sick, too. And people take these happy hours and this forced fun very, very seriously. As you want to be part of, you're part of this company, you're part of this team, you need to participate. And... um even if I'm on the call, I'm having such a hard time participating. And then that comes across as bad. It's all. What if, okay, crazy thought. What if we just made work a little bit more fun? (laughs) What does that mean? No, what I mean by that, I'm being straight up. What I mean by that is that like, there are people who are like, you should be serious when you're on Slack. I disagree. There are people who are like, if you're in a meeting, Everything needs to be serious. Mm-hmm. I disagree. I am in the, I think, the, the, the chat when you're in a Zoom meeting, the chat is for the peanut gallery and you can crack jokes and you can say silly things. And I think that's fine. And that's how we put a little bit of fun into the meetings. And when I have like, be silly in meetings, have conversation, like it's okay. Like, you know, I have a weekly sync with my team every Monday. It's a half hour. First 10 minutes are just us talking. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I love about the company that I work at right now, the staff meetings, and these are like, you know, this is all leadership, right? We start with an icebreaker question, which is like, it's a silly one. Like this week it was, um, 
you're driving like imagine you were driving to work in your car and you're like listening to a song what song is it and how loud are you playing it Ooh. you know it's stuff like that yep. or like you know who would you choose to play you in, in in a movie about your life or just things that are like fun like that um my favorite one to ask people is like if you had to pick someone up from the airport and drive them through like rush hour traffic to their house who would be the like anybody alive or dead who would you pick so someone that you're basically just stuck in a car you're you're it's a pain in the ass trip but like you want to have who a good conversation be? with that's hard who what's your answer yeah you um, answer first i answer first Yeah, because you gave us the question yeah you've already um i forgot who my answer was hold on oh it's hillary duff <laughs> we'd have fun <sighs> And I want to be best friends with her. And we could, like, sing along to, like, 90s music (laughs) in traffic. I don't know. Whatever. Honestly, my initial reaction is nobody. Because as we've established, (laughs) um, as we've established, I'm the kind of person that would rather pay all the money from the car accident than get out and talk to somebody. So... (laughs) I that was episode one. Yes. Yeah. Um. I would rather sit in silence with myself. <laughs> is that bad? well? Is there somebody that you, you think would sit in silence with you? Takes a very specific person. Maybe like a dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a dog. Pick up okay, Air Bud. Which- you know, why don't you pick up a famous dog? Oh my gosh, dog? a famous dog? Yeah. Wait, that would actually be so interesting. I want to pick up Airbud and also Airbud's like owner. But that's a person. No, but I want to now now I want to talk to Airbud's oh, owner. Oh, oh, now you want to talk to somebody. I want to talk to somebody and be like, "So tell me about Airbud's life." I honestly I I'm about to harsh your mellow, oh, but God. like Airbud came out a long time ago. Oh, That's I know. All I'm gonna say. I know. You said alive or dead. You said that. Don't okay. 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 Good point. Good point. Good point. Good point. Good point. Um, Jordan. Jordan. All right. Um. Okay. Right now, in this moment, I'm sure my answer could change in the morning when I've slept. But mm-hmm. I listen to this other podcast, and I just want the whole three of them to be in my stuck in my car with me. What podcast? Uh, it's called Fuckface, but they bleep out the fuck. Have I told you about this? Oh, you've told me about this one, yeah. They just kind of shoot the shit and talk about all the ways they, like, fuckface themselves. Mm. Again, they bleep out the fuckface that I can't do it, you know? Wait, they they fuckfaced themselves? Yeah, like, like they they screw themselves over in a funny way is the best Got equivalent. It. Um, Got it. And one of them has some sort of GI issues and there's a lot of poop stories and like there's just there's like I want him to be my uncle realistically <laughs> I really do I think we'd have a great time um and the rest of them are just so weird and I want to hang with them and, and that's my answer today we'll see if it changes yeah even you saying that changes my answer where I'm like oh I could because in my mind I was like I just want to listen to my podcast in peace but what if my the podcast that i listened to were in the car with me right Ooh, and suddenly you were a surprise guest on it or like um, the taskmaster from taskmaster oh that's a throwback i don't know what throwback that is. i am deep in taskmaster right now what, it what is, is a that? british tv show where they have comedians do a bunch of random things like ha eat as much watermelon as you can in a hundred seconds <laughs> oh that's not what i thought 
you were talking about but okay you should check it out it's on youtube it's very honestly when i'm not feeling well it is the perfect type of content because it doesn't require much (gasps) thought and it's very wholesome okay topic cult deprogrammer that's who i would want to i was thinking actually because i'm watching stay sweet and obey no wait pray no wait stay sweet pray and obey on netflix sure about the flds yeah and i was sitting there being like if i didn't have to worry about money maybe i would be a cult deprogrammer and learn how to like deep like the psychological methods that people use to bring people out of cults i'm sure you would be really good at that but i imagine you just sitting there staring at them in silence for a minute and then be like have you ever thought of just (laughs) not being in a cult (laughs) that would be my exact like that's honestly when i pictured myself (laughs) doing it what i pictured and i was like this is why i would need training (laughs) Because that's exactly the vibe. Here's, I love that. Here's the journey that your answer, Jordan, took me on. Uh Uh-oh. No, a good one. Like, I was like, okay, so the Lacey, the host of Scam Goddess, Mm -hmm. I would want to be in a car with her because we have matched energy and I love, I don't know, I think we would have a great conversation, but we would probably spend most of the time talking about my favorite scam diva, uh, Lizzie Holmes. (laughs) And then I thought, wait a minute, I want to be trapped. Now, again, here's the thing. You're not, not only are you trapped in a car with this person, but they're trapped in the car with you. Don't forget that. You're You're driving them home. Mm. No, I'm not going to fart box it. I mean, not intentionally, Um, but I want Lizzie Holmes. I want to get into the Elizabeth Holmes. I want her stuck in the car with me and I want to just like grill her. And become friends with her. So your answer is Lizzie McGuire and Lizzie Holmes. I would like <laughs> to add Lizzie Warren, my girl Elizabeth Warren, baby. What about Lizzie Borden? <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, actually, I would love to speak with Lizzie Borden. I, I'm going to well, be we, straight we, up with you. We've, we've all spent time in mass. Yeah. No. Anatomically what? speaking, I do not want to be... Anywhere near Lizzie Borden. In mass? Personally. Is this the part? Oh, I thought you meant like Catholic mass. And I was like, you're talking to, to some Jews in here. Like what? Massachusetts, Massachusetts. <laughs> mass. Do you think she did it? Massachusetts. You don't know if she did it. I thought it was like a, I thought we knew that she did it. I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't, um, she was found, she wasn't found guilty. And she spent her days living out her life as a spinster. That's true. Um, yeah. I thought we like we knew though that she oh, did it. No. We do okay. not know for certain. Wow. Do you think Lizzie McGuire did it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and the it is win our Lizzie hearts. Lizzie McGuire is always doing that. Legit. Legit. <laughs> um uh, and Lizzie Holmes definitely did it. Oh, You're guilty. Absolutely. You're guilty, bish. Uh I did want to speak to one more thing. Um, on the chronic illness side. Yes. Uh, I don't know. This could be brief, but I wanted to talk about the fact that, at least for me, I don't look sick. So people see me and they're just like, so are you feeling better? Are you fine? You know, I'm not, I don't look like I'm dying. I'm not throwing up blood at people regularly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
But to be able to do that on command would not be the worst. I'm just thinking that. What a skill. Um, and I don't know. I think because it's sort of invisible, there is, you know, I don't know. People just don't like it's and this has been sort of an ongoing topic of what we talked about, too. But people don't seem to understand what is happening when I say I'm sick. It's chronic. Um, and invisible, I guess, also. Um, so I just wanted to, I don't know, bring that up, say it. Is this the part where I make that, like, this illness is chronic, but my ass is iconic joke? (laughs) I think I messed it up a little, but, you know, that vibe. Um, (laughs) I think I mentioned this. I think I might have ruined Robbie. We lost it. I can't breathe. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, I talked about it with the grocery store, but, like, that's a person who wants me once. Not that ass is iconic, y'all. The style don't look sick. Um, You know, I was talking about this with my friend the other day because... She was around when I was getting diagnosed and I was at her house and her dad, I was, had lost a lot of weight, you know, during IBD, anything related to GI, you don't eat, you lose weight, Mm -hmm. ta-da. And her dad was like, oh, you look really good. Mm. And I swear that's what gets me. Like he didn't know any better at that point. He was trying to be nice to his Mm -hmm. daughter's high school friends, but it's the, you don't look sick or, oh, you look so good. You lost so much weight. It's like, oh, I did. Cause I feel awful. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I well, don't know. How do we make them get it? I don't know. Well, also, it's like, okay, you... Well, it's also feels weird at work, for I think, because you see your coworkers regularly. You say you're sick a lot, and then they see you, and they're like, I mean, you look fine. But you have you I mean? tried yoga? <laughs> what, about, what about kale? You should eat kale. <laughs> Um, no, I need. Okay, my favorite one was when a, a former friend was like, "Wow, you know, Robbie, you have you haven't really been around. Like, what's like, what you just don't want to hang out with us anymore?" <gasps> and so I explained to him that you know, in a very like serious way, I was like, "Look, I, I'll be honest. You know, my partner's going through this. Blah 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 blah." And after I like. And this is back when, like, you know, talking about this was new and I just didn't want to really. And it was hard. I didn't know how to talk about it. He comes back with, oh, that sucks. Uh, Have you like, have you started using a different dish soap recently? Because I heard that can like really make you not feel good. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I love it. I love just the- that was a new Ooh. one. Uh, side note: there are some very good meme accounts around all of these topics on the gram. Uh, Chronically candid is one of my favorites. They take Renaissance photos and superimpose like things people say about chronic illness on them. It's very great. And I think they did a very similar one that was like, "Oh, something, something shampoo. You change your shampoo. Maybe that's why your hair is falling out, and it's not your medication." And it's like. You're wrong. Um, we should add some of those to the show notes. Send over your favorites. Oh, I will. I have a lot. Um, I also have books I can recommend, but maybe that's not our vibe. Oh. Actually, you know, that's an interesting one. Books have been a way that I've gotten people to get it, actually. Mm. Um, and I'm fortunate that I'm I'm working at a company now that literally is centered around my illness, which mm-hmm. is a choice I made. 
uh, in a, I know I think about this all the time. I'm just, I'm going to add to it. Turns out it's cool, but it's also a little exhausting. But the cool thing is I can recommend books by disabled authors about this topic because people want to learn for work. Um, and I find that having them read them helps them get it a little bit more. And obviously I'm going to promote my, my dear friend, Tessa Miller's book, What Doesn't Kill You. Um, such a good story. Oh, she is a, yes, I read it. It's <laughs> I, I co-sign on how good it is. But yeah. Continue. I think what's great about it is she was a scientific journalist. So it's half memoir, half scientific journal. This um, getting late in the night here, y'all. It is, uh, it is. <laughs> but you know, she talks about grief, right. In this process of new normal mm-hmm. and work and all these things. I laughed in the grief chapter, which I know sounds silly, but like it was the first time I felt seen in a book in a way that I was like, this is a resource I wish I had over 10 years ago. If I were a new young person entering the workforce, that's the book I want. Or if I have, honestly, I want all my friends to read it because to me, that's the way. If they don't get it from me telling them things and them looking at me, I'm like, check out this book. But I guess the other thing to add, like representation in media, right? We, we yeah. t- we've seen a good movement in more people of color in movies and in art and all these great things. You don't see that with chronic illness, maybe some mental health things, but usually not in a positive light. That was what I was going to say. I was like, we just need like a really like, we need like a viral TV show or a viral movie that is about chronic illness. And then everyone will be like, Oh my God, like in this, like, I totally get it. You know? Yeah. Otherwise we're the literal butt of the joke, you know, like mm-hmm. I can think of one time it was Kimmy Schmidt and they're doing it. The spin instructor has Crohn's disease and that's why he's a spin instructor. Cause he can just shit in the dark. And I was like, that's a joke, but also brilliant. You know, <laughs> that's the only time I think I've heard Crohn's mentioned in a TV show. <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, well, on that note, thank you so much for joining us, Jordan. Um, oh yes. You thank know, you. Thanks for having was, me. Um, it was not shitty at all. It was, you know, great. Probably, um, to have somebody laugh at Robbie's jokes. So wow. <laughs> Got him. Ah. No, but insert well, soundboard sound. <laughs> I need a soundboard. God, I want one. No, if I got one, I would be way too annoying. Oh, no. Not here. You're not doing that here. That's <laughs> no, not on this. Not around not here. Me. Oh, my God. Well, you keep me balanced. Uh, um, yes, but Jordan, thank you so much. You are a wealth of knowledge. Thank you. Happy to yes. give it away whenever. Um, and this week in your five-star review, uh, you know... Please write in and let me know if you think Lizzie Borden did it. <laughs> and see. Perfect. <laughs> May I be blunt with you? If you'd like to write in with any questions you'd like to have answered, topics you'd like covered, or other general nonsense, send Ramey and I an email at IWouldNeverKnowPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Oh, you can't die by a heart.